Namaste and Jai Hind. If your son or daughter is applying for college admission to Canada or if you are a student in Canada, then the advisory by the Indian government would have you worried. This is the advisory. There's been a sharp increase in incidents of hate crime, sectarian violence and anti-India activities in Canada. The Ministry of External Affairs and our High Commission Consulate General in Canada have taken up these issues with the Canadian authorities and requested them to investigate the said crimes and take appropriate action. The perpetrators of these crimes have not been brought to justice so far in Canada. In view of the increasing incidences of crime as described above, Indian nationals and students from India in Canada and those proceeding to Canada for travel or education are advised to exercise due caution and remain vigilant. Indian nationals and students from India in Canada may also register with the High Commission of India in Ottawa or Consulate Generals of India in Toronto and Vancouver through their respective websites or the MADAD portal madad.gov.in. Registration would enable the High Commission and Consulate Generals to better connect with Indian citizens in Canada in the event of any requirement or emergency. This was the advisory put out by the Government of India. Now, this isn't the first time that India has issued such an advisory. Canada, on the other hand, has issued a sharp counter-advisory warning its citizens when they travel to parts of India that may be unsafe and not fall for scams in India. Now, this is supposedly uh, an advisory which had been put out earlier too. But the sharp focus has been the lackadaisical attitude of Canadian law enforcement authorities about attacks on Indians in Canada or people of Indian origin in Canada. And that has made India nervous. Now, a 29-year-old Indian student was killed in a shooting incident in September this year in Ontario. Canadian MP Chandra Arya tweeted about the growing number of attacks on Hindu places of worship and temples in Canada. His tweet says, Vandalism of Toronto BAPS Sri Swami Narayan Mandir by Canadian Khalistani extremists should be condemned by all. This is not just an isolated event. Canadian Hindu temples have been targeted in the past by these kinds of hate crime. Hindu Canadians are legitimately concerned. This was his tweet. And then there is the issue of gangster crime. Organized crime, which came into sharp focus with the killing of Sidhu Musewala, one of the accused, Goldie Brar, is in Canada. Gangs and criminal organizations within the Punjabi Canadian community have expanded their activities into Indian soil. Another long standing problem is the Khalistani groups in Canada, an issue that dates back to the 1980s and is a festering problem. The Indian middle class for decades have sent children to the US, Canada and UK for higher education and better prospects. But assimilation has been a problem, especially for children who come from rural backgrounds in India and find it difficult to adjust to a different culture. Some of them work double shifts and are also studying to get a degree in a college. To understand where the relationship stands, that is, India-Canada relationship, where does it stand now and should this issue be escalated to the Prime Minister level? We spoke with Indrani Bakchi, who is the CEO of Ananta Centre, a think tank based in Delhi. Indrani was the diplomatic editor for the Times of India for several years and covered the Ministry of External Affairs and has interpreted global trends with an Indian perspective. Here's my conversation with Indrani Bakchi. 
Thank you very much for speaking with us, Indrani. Um, my first question would be that, you know, this kind of an advisory is not something new. Uh, it's happened before. But do you think that it's it's kind of, uh, it's a stronger advisory as compared to the earlier ones that used to come? And will it put uh, India-Canada, will it put more stress on uh, India-Canada relations? And how seriously should one take this uh, if you're a parent, if you're a student who's going to study in Canada, or if you're already studying in Canada, when this kind of an advisory comes out, it just sounds, it sounds very ominous. Uh, thank you, Smita, and thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's such a pleasure. Um, it, this is actually this is unusual. The MEA advisory that came out, I think, on the twenty third, uh, was certainly unusual uh, because uh, we've had incidents before in Canada, but um, I think MEA has or the government of India has sort of taken it on the chin, uh, ignored it, uh, sort of uh, sort of in a disdainful manner, so to speak. But uh, they haven't actually re uh, retorted with an um, with an advisory. An advisory actually is something that the state advises its citizens, uh, and we we believe that the full force of state uh, knowledge understanding is behind that advisory. Um, if you remember, every time the U.S. Uh, would issue an advisory to its own citizens in India. It, it used to be taken as a slight yeah. uh, in in India. And if you remember, we used to do stories yeah. on this stuff. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is clearly the state of the government of India expressing its di disapproval. Um, in fact, this morning I saw the Canadians have responded. With another advisory. With an advisory of their own. Yeah. Uh, basically saying that uh, you should not, asking their citizens to not travel to Gujarat, Rajasthan, Punjab. Uh, because, because there could of, be landmines. Because there were landmines. When or, was the la last landmine in Rajasthan or well, in Gujarat, I would like to know. Well, there there have been on the on the on the other side, Border. on the on the no man's land side. But that was a long, long time ago. And uh, uh, but it also talks about terrorism across the country, throughout the country, the threat of terrorism throughout the country, hmm. and. Um, so clearly, they are also they are not uh, turning the other cheek. Uh, in a way, I think uh, Indrani. Sometimes I feel that it's a good advisory because if there are any of those uh, Khalistanis uh, who are based in Canada who are planning to move from Pakistan to uh, India via the <laughs> Rajasthan side or whether the Gujarat side or Punjab side, will think again because there might be landmines. You know. <laughs> so, I wish. I wish. Uh, I think they are made of sterner stuff, Smita. <laughs> Okay. But uh, but yeah. yeah. So the but so yes, it is certainly it is uh, in a sense taking um, the dis Indian disapproval up several notches. Okay. Um, Canada's response uh, in kind and in in about landmines etc. Uh, say it, it tells me one thing that um, I don't think Canada understands the depth of the problem that India wants Canada to uh, resolve or to help to resolve. Uh, I think they are looking at it as, oh, you know, just another uh, country kind of thing. Um, so I'd say that this requires some degree of political intervention at some point uh, because we, 
you could get onto this spiral of I'm issuing advisory and you're issuing a, a, counter, a counter advisory. And uh, when the relationship, the larger relationship actually doesn't warrant it because there is a problem, certainly, and that is a big problem. Um, if this was Pakistan, I would have put this problem front and center. But since it is Canada and half a world away, hmm. we have to find a way to resolve this. Hmm. This, and I think, and I think, uh, it is imperative on Canada hmm. to actually try and understand the Indian thinking a little better. You think the Indian thinking has changed uh, now? You know because. Um, uh, there is a whole lot of talk that the Indian foreign policy has become more muscular, or uh, Indian policy makers. Even if you see uh, Dr. Jay Shankar's visit, uh, you know, if you see the UN uh, statements, if you see his statements in America, when uh, when he's called out America's bluff regarding F-16s, uh, that you know, what are you trying to say? That you're not trying to. F I mean, you are not fooling anyone when you say that F-16s are used for counter-terror. Not that it had any impact because Secretary Blinken was like blase about it, right? So, uh, but when India puts out this kind of an advisory. Uh, I'm going to come back to it that it seems like uh, the Canadian authorities were tone deaf to understand that this is not this is not something that is going to be taken lightly anymore or it's not going to be ignored anymore or or just you know kept at the uh, bare uh, perfunctory statement you know there is a uh, there is a degree of tone deafness certainly in Canada um do you remember when uh, um Justin Trudeau visited in in 2018, mm. uh, along with that Jaspal Atwal, mm -hmm. who they had to then disinvite, yeah. and they it it and was an enormous embarrassment. He uh, didn't come as an official or something. Yes, like but that. he came Obviously, with him. He came with him, uh, <laughs> and he was invited to two official events mm. before he was disinvited. Yeah, um, and I, I, and that tells you a. A little bit about the tone deafness with them in in Canada um, regarding the Indian muscular um, sort of response. I would say the in, Indian response in the last few years has become more, shall we say, open. Hmm. Earlier, earlier we may have been, we may have thought twice that you know we don't want to anger. The Canadians, we've got so many other interests with them. Um, I think now we are putting our security concerns right up there on the table and making no bones about it. You've seen this kind of a response, I mean, everywhere from Pakistan to others. Um, we, the, the, this government at least believes that Security interests, security concerns um, are paramount and we will raise them, we will put them up on the table as much as possible. I mean, look at Jaishankar even used the statement, used his um, UNSC intervention where he called out Russia, certainly, hmm. but he also called out China because China has yeah. been blocking sanctions on uh, terrorists uh, who target India but operate out of Pakistan, but particularly people like Sajid Mir. 
so you are you are seeing uh, a little more uh, openness and a little more uh, uh, sort of out there put it out there put it out of, there yeah kind of thing. so you know uh, you've covered uh, the foreign ministry for a long time i mean i've also covered it for a short sure. time yeah so uh, these kind of things were done behind closed doors and then when there was an off the record briefing for yeah. journalists we were told that candid conversation yes. happened or yes. india put forth uh, in a strong manner yes. or in a forthright manner yeah. but what happened in those conversations the exact words were never put out there but now we are probably doing it at both levels yeah. we're putting it out there in the closed door meetings yeah. but being open about it and say and not shying away from saying that you know this this kind of a dichotomy of uh, you know of saying everything is hunky dory but actually not being there sure. do you think that yeah yeah well i think what's happening more and more about issues like this is they're not taking that refuge behind uh, off the record conversations hmm. in fact they're just putting everything out on the record hmm. and then waiting for it to fall where it falls and how is this fallen do you think it's <laughs> well, not i mean it's had no impact right in no, fact you got I, I, or do you actually do you think that the canadian response is just an anodyne uh, response which they do every year or advisory every year that oh okay like see the canadian response today is clearly a response to our response i see right but i mean i've spoken to many canadian officials about uh, where we are and so they put this line to us to me at least that you know we really want to uh, get rid of these elements as well mm-hmm. we want to get rid of these elements we would like a little more inf- information evidence from india so uh, it struck me then that they were sounding exactly like the pakistani yeah <laughs> because the dossier dossier the, game we used, used to play, play we used to play the uh, you have my dossier i have my your dossier yeah. your dossier is thinner than mine mine is fatter than yours so add more files yeah uh, and everybody and uh, the pakistanis used to say even then give us more evidence yeah. give us more evidence that lashkar e taiba operates out of my country give us more evidence that ja uh, jaish e mohammed operates out of this country uh, so we went through this entire cycle with pakistan for years and as you remember correctly but uh, and it seems to me that you know it is a strange in a strange way uh, yeah. we are having a, a sort of a re- replay of that thing only in pakistan uh, they would ask for proof whether uh, yeah. you know daud is there yeah. or whether any of the uh, terror camps were there so you know radar imagery chahiye this huh. that all these thing or yeah. where are the pictures of hafiz said and you know those yeah. kind of things but here hmm. the khalistanis are there parading it all correct and goldie brar who was involved in the siddu musewala thing he's sitting there in canada so we don't even india doesn't even need to give proof it's there in- so that's exactly the point you see the in fact i think some canadian officials actually went to the nia uh, to say you know we would hmm. uh, um, give us more information etc and uh, but they don't realize our history and i don't think they know the depth of that history uh, so uh, indian officials obviously blew them away and said what do you mean there it said exactly what you said which is goldie look at goldie brar said there i there 
uh, you know uh, the referendum the 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 real trigger for the indian thing was probably the referendum, referendum. uh the khalistan referendum that happened um, and uh, even though this i think it was the 16th or the 17th of uh, september that Uh, the canadian government actually told the indian government that uh, you know we are not uh, we don't support this as they had done even in 2020 but the point is that it is actually happening under your noses and um, there was no attempt to to shut it down uh, there are many ways people shut down uh, it, things that are of interest to friendly countries uh, the biggest one that i would say is uh, the uh, the the head of huawei hmm. uh who was imprisoned in in canada uh with no uh, case in canada but just because the americans wanted her so she was in in prison in a canadian prison uh for two and a half years um and so it, it's that's not a that's not a reason right hmm. you can so, i'm but there is there is definitely i mean they hide under this thing about you know we are a democracy uh, we allow all kinds of things to happen but clearly there are red flags that are being raised and mm. these red flags come from a couple of places one uh, is from a country like india it's not that uh, india and canada are unfriendly to each other uh we have fairly deep relationships um so you would think that in the interest of maintaining that they have gone they've sort of bent over backwards when canada was wooing the chinese uh to in to uh, sort of be sensitive in quotes to all of china's sensitivities hmm. it only i mean only when things sort of fell apart because of america that they had to imprison this uh, um, wang from huawei uh, which then resulted in two chinese two canadian citizens uh, being uh, imprisoned for exactly the same length of time uh, in uh, china i mean china really took the tough line which is you have my uh, you have uh, Uh, my person in custody i am putting your two of your citizens in custody you take one of mine i take two of yours is that a, maybe that's the reason why they're not doing it no i see you know we are not china yeah we would never be able to do that and we <laughs> and we shouldn't correct there is a there are certain uh, i mean we have certain behavior modes as well hmm. um Which I mean, is why the huge investment by Canada into India, correct? Because I mean, it's a functioning democracy, correct? And you know they know that their their investments are safe, their people are safe when they are in India. Uh, you know another uh, thing which um, the the statement which says that a farcical exercise was held by extremists and radical elements supporting the so-called Khalistan referendum in Canada and elsewhere. This is what the external affairs ministry spokesperson said. I mean, clearly, India is not going to uh, ignore, as I said, uh, you know, the earlier way that oh, okay, so the Khalistanis are doing this in in Canada, so it's not impacting us, but it is impacting India now because there's a whole, you know, there are events which are happening in India which are clearly driven by Khalistanis, 
whether it is coming via Pakistan or whether it is like deliberate attempt in India. You're seeing Khalistani graffiti in India. I mean, since the 80s, you, you and I have, you know, remember the 80s. Yes. We, we have gone through that when we were younger. We've yes. seen that. Yes. Don't want that again happening. Yes, but you know, and you, and therefore the role of Pakistan become is actually not highlighted enough. Hmm. I think uh, if, uh, I think uh, there, there was a Pakistan embassy official who actually uh, visited the two one uh, uh, the two gurdwaras that uh, in in Vancouver I think just around the time of the referendum. Okay. And if you remember uh, the sensitivities when we opened the Kartarpur corridor uh, about uh, Khalistani elements uh, using the Kartarpur corridor, mm. uh, then it was a serious uh, security uh, sort of red flag that had been put up Pakistan has been using in fact for the definitely for the last few years Pakistan has been uh, on a mission to revive the Khalistan movement uh, not merely in Pakistan but in UK and in Canada with where a large number of um, Khalistan uh, sort of uh, diaspora Punjabi Sikh diaspora live um, in Canada it's it makes it difficult also for two other other sort of groups of people. One is the groups uh, of uh, Sikhs who are not hmm. allied to the Khalistan movement. But because uh, they get tarred, they keep quiet hmm. because they also are probably under threat as well. So they can't say anything. The other is it, it creates tensions between the Hindus and the Sikhs uh, living in Canada. Um, and that cannot be good for yeah. uh, for Canada. Hmm. So, you know, this is something that we... And, and there is, a, as you said, there is a long string of events that we've been seeing in the, in the most recent uh, months and the last couple of years. Uh, there was this attack on a Gurdwara in Punjab, which is... Which, was traced back. I think the Sikhs for Justice group, which is banned in India but operates openly in Canada, um, they um, actually took responsibility for it. Um, a, a, a different, uh, a different network and a different ecosystem uh, was was witnessed when we saw the Sidhu Musewala murder. Mm. So, the, you know, there are these layers, and if you were Canada, you would you would want to think about them. Hmm. The question is, why does Canada not uh, red flag these problems that might affect its relationship with India? So, what are Justin Trudeau's political compulsions? Like, the, does he have, like, we have here a vote bank politics. Is that his uh, political compulsion that he cannot take because he's got people in his cabinet who will not uh, allow any kind of, uh, you know, uh, some kind of an action to be taken against the Khalistanis. Certainly, that is part of it. Hmm. Um, I mean, these uh, there is uh, he has the he has his own vote bank politics. Hmm. I mean, to believe that vote bank politics are in some in countries like you know poor countries with large population and diverse uh, societies like ours, that's not true. Everybody has vote bank politics. I mean, sure. the Democrats have. Have it. The Tories have it. The uh, mm. the Labour Party and um, the Liberals in Canada have it. Mm. So, 
um, and uh, the Sikhs are definitely a part of that. Some of those, some of those gurdwaras, some of the, they now these are all wealthy people. Yeah. Remember, these are not uh, sort of uh, down in the down in the mouth kind of kind yeah, of people. Yeah, but there are wealthy people in America, also uh, wealthy Sikhs in America, and the gurdwaras have Bhagat Singh. Uh, and the same at the same time they have Bindrawale in the same Gurdwara you you know both the pictures are there and there is even in uh, some of the parades that are held there are Khalistanis in that also but somehow they don't have that kind of political backing like they have in Canada well that is true because America is like India completely focused also on its own security concerns and you know, it's not just 9-11 that, uh, but post 9-11 in these 21, 22 years, that the, or the, the fault lines in the security, in American society that could, uh, you know, create security tensions for America. I think the, the American system is sort of fully infiltrated through all of these. The security. The but security. Canada, Canada. Because, <coughs> see, Canada, you know, A, Sorry. you have to understand, I think Canada is, it's an enormous country. <laughs> no people. Immensely wealthy. Um, all educated. There is a, there is an it's exceptionalism not, there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we all talk about American exceptionalism or Indian exceptionalism. But there is also this Canadian exceptionalism thing, you know, but we are this wonderful democracy that... And this, the thing is about this but wonderful... Indrani, way before 9-11, Kanishka bombing happened. Yes, indeed. They would, and you would think that it, it would hit them no, more? No, no. Because, I mean, go, that I think Kanishka bombing remains a blot in Canada. Huh. Uh, and uh, I have spoken to many officials, Canadian officials, who... Say that you know we cannot forget the Kanishka bombing. True, uh, I mean, but you, uh, cut to the two thousands, uh, large swaths of Canadian real estate was being given off to the Chinese, hmm. who came in and bought because they didn't want to spend the money in their own country, and they bought large swaths of land, etc. in in Canada, moved to Canada until they became a security threat. Hmm. So, do you think that the uh, like you? Given me the nexus, so you've spoken about the nexus between Pakistan and the Khalistanis. It's a real nexus. Nexus. Do you think that, like what you're saying is that if the Chinese are buying property, they would be influencing politics too? And you know there's a grand plan between the China-Pakistan uh, nexus against India. So, you know, to, to use the fissures that exist in India already to make that larger and, you know, do you think that or am I being too much of an alarmist in here? Look, uh, we have no evidence hmm. right now, but it is not inconceivable. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, uh, if the if the points all match, there's nothing to say that. Uh, I mean, China and Pakistan are collaborating in Bangladesh. Yeah. So there is nothing to say that they are not. They would not be collaborating in Canada. Yeah. Uh, so. And uh, so, yes, I mean, uh, I would say that they, certainly that would be one of the things that the Indian system would would be very, very uh, sensitive and concerned about. Because, you know, we do have uh, social fissures. We have, uh, uh, there are security threats of variety uh, of 
you know, of, a, of varying degrees and varying kinds, um, that uh, any government in India would have to be extremely, extremely alert to. to. Right. You know, I'm going to come back to this whole students thing because the advisory was also about tourists and about, you know, uh, students who are going to study there. Yeah. Um, now, I couldn't find a country-wise breakup uh, in uh, in Canada, but it's estimated that Indian students make about 35%. Now, that's a large number. And given the kind of advisory, you know, parents who are sending their kids to America, who sent their kids in uh, sorry, not America, to Canada, um, they'd be worried right now. How safe are Indian children in universities there? And if if you were a parent who has a kid studying in uh, in university or working in, in Canada, uh, how worried should they be and what is the precaution that they should take uh, in your view? So just to give you some numbers, um, you know, last year, that is 21, uh, Canada issued uh, 217,000 student visas to Indians mm. uh, and only 105,000 student visas to China. Mm. That is uh, very interesting. And just this year, I mean... And this is, you know, when... Uh, when in the middle COVID, of COVID. In the middle of COVID when yeah. actually people were taking deferred admission yeah. or not going yep. Yep. and yep. things. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, we haven't completed... 22, but I think until the, until the first half of the uh, year, we've already sent 60,000 students to Canada. Right. And uh, uh, which, by the way, is only second to the Americans. I mean, the Americans the, the, at, the, at the top of the list, India is number two. Uh, so ju that that's just to but to go back to your question yes, of course, you know, I mean, if I am a uh, parent uh, um and my daughter was going to Canada to study. An advisory would, like this would make me wonder. I would probably burn up the phone lines with her every day. Sure. Um, and uh, but uh, you know, people who are uh, from, uh, I would probably see the advisory the minute it was issued. Yeah. But th but I would imagine that a large number of parents uh, may not see that advisory instantly. Or a large number of their children may not see that advisory instantly. And uh, uh, how they would be able to deal with it or how they um, manage anxieties. And parental anxiety is a real thing, as you know perfectly well. So, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. They wouldn't have seen it because, you know, a large number of students or large number of people who go to Canada, the visas issued, yeah. many, I think more than 50%, 65% of them are from Punjab. And some of them, you know, come from rural Punjab who are probably not up with what the MEA puts out as an advisory. Sure. So, you know, they come from... Uh, from you know uh, economically uh, backward sections they go there to canada they're doing double shift sometimes yeah. they're studying in the day in a college or in a in a vocational college trying to get a degree at the same time work so you know there's a lot of anxiety that these people are under anyway when yeah. they are abroad and funds are less mm -hmm. right i mean the jobs are less the pressures are too much mm -hmm. uh, post covid there aren't enough jobs going for immigrants especially so how does one deal with this? Should they be advised about these things before they leave for Canada? Or should the Indian consulates and uh, embassy in uh, in Toronto put out in, uh, in uh, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, Surrey, the other places where there are a number of Indians, should they be training them, putting out advisories? What should they do? Well, 
couple of things. One, uh, I mean, remember that for Punjab, uh, Canada is like the holy grail. Hmm. Everybody, uh, I mean, isn't that this temple temple in Punjab which has a an airplane on top of it? Yeah, <laughs> kind of, which yeah. is a sort of the the aspiration. I mean, it's kind of aspiration yeah. put, uh, become religion. Yeah. But, it, I mean, we make jokes about it. Sure. But it is a big thing for yeah. the Punjab, for the average Punjabi to be able to, they sell their land, they, you know, they do all sorts of stuff, taken terrible, unsustainable debt to send children to Punj- to Canada. Right. Uh, in the hope of a better life, obviously. Yeah. Which is... Um, now, I don't know if you remember, but I think it was last year, maybe it was the year before, uh, that there were these uh, videos of these young uh, kids from Punjab who had fallen prey to uh, drug rackets, uh, prostitution rackets, because they just had to make ends meet. Hmm. And uh, their parents, after sort of almost killing themselves to provide the money for the passage, really didn't have anything anymore. Uh, yeah. To give to them, so yeah. it is a there is there are uh, there are human tragic stories as well, yeah. which is part of this whole state to state issue. And so, what should we do? You know, first we have to at least in India, we need to understand the depth of the Punjabi's re- uh, uh, desire to migrate to Canada. Hmm. It is beyond a joke right now. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a there. It's a real thing. Yeah. There is. What are the drivers? And certainly, we, it, the state government in Punjab, or certainly central government, there should definitely be an outreach at the at the local levels uh, to educate people, advise them sensitize them about realities in Canada, what they see in pictures, what they see in movies, uh, etc. is just not or it. Or maybe also like, okay, uh, That's, to burst the bubble is another thing, but also to teach them how to assimilate maybe when you when they go you there. You know, that's right? one. That's the next step. Yeah. First is to uh, the, the, the the next step should definitely be a one month crash course in assimilation. Hmm. In how do you integrate in Canadian society, and something to that to that effect, it is. I mean, sure. I think the uh, mission in uh, maybe they do some of it already. You know, uh, the Indian missions, but certainly the Indian missions should uh, take up this thing about because you know these are kids. Like, like uh, why why is it then it doesn't happen? See, even Gujaratis have been going in large numbers. Yeah, but the Gujaratis remember the uh, the family of uh, entire family froze in the cold because they had gone yeah. to Canada and they all they were doing is being illegal immigrants into America. Part of that racket. So there are rackets. These rackets, these immigration rackets are, they include Canada to, to walk across from a Canadian, from Canada across into some some of the, you know, the Midwest. Uh, but you don't hear these horror stories of somebody being beaten up or somebody being, or a motel owned by a Patel which is being uh, vandalized just because yeah, there but, are Gujaratis. Yeah, but you know, I mean, uh, look, there was a, uh, I think it was in May or June this year, or just the other day, there was this uh, Swaminarayan temple that Swami, got yes. uh, that got vandalized. Yes. And I but think that's by was, the Khalistanis. That's by the, again by the Khalistanis. And that goes to uh, 
this uh, the divisions between the Hindus and the Sikhs in can in uh, in Canada, the and Indian uh, origin one. Do you think and that the uh, that what happened in Leicester is similar kind of a thing, or do you see? Do you see this kind of thing spreading now to other countries well, as well? What happened in I'll Canada? So, to if to to go back to yeah. my previous point, the I'd say that if the Indian government in the Indian mission has a duty to uh, maybe keep tabs on these people, on the students, um, the Canadian government certainly has a duty to make sure that the communities that live indian origin communities that live that they should go out of their way to make sure that there is peace between these two communities yeah and uh, i mean let us not uh, let us not get into the blame game hmm. we know that there is a khalistan extremist network there hmm. you uh, something like this if not nipped not there's no nipping in the bud anymore but Certainly, if it is not controlled or contained, there will be responses from other parts, other communities yeah. as well. If you remember, there was this one incident recently where it was a fast food joint and there was this man who came and started yelling at an Indian. He mm. was probably a South Indian because he had come, you know, the, the accent or whatever. He got angry with him and, you know, you're a cow piss drinker mm. and you're a vegetarian mm. and started screaming and yelling and... There was no way to figure out. It was only towards the end of his rant, which was a very, very long rant. When he said Indira Gandhi and things, then people figured out that he was probably a Khalistani. And mm. then, you know, post that event, then they said, oh, he's a Khalistani. But initially, it seemed like he was just an American who was screaming, you well, know. So that's that's exactly the point. I yeah. mean, you if it, the thing is, it helps nobody. If communities who live in a country, um, particularly who have their origin in a different country, cannot get along, hmm. it is. Uh, but to to uh, go to the your uh, very good question about Leicester, whether Leicester has any lessons, I'd say Leicester has a lot of lessons. Mm -hmm. For uh, I mean, they may not be the same, and this the trigger in Leicester were a couple of different things. Uh, it was. Uh, Supposedly, whatever it was, it was a cricket match. It was a sadhvi mm. uh, visit, and mm. so. It, but then that became a Hindu-Muslim thing. That became a Hindu-Muslim thing, and yeah. a, and an India-Pakistan thing. Mm. This the, this could just be an India-India thing, right? Because uh, that's just what it happens, right? Yes. We, it becomes very difficult for say a white Canadian or a white American to, to say, tell oh, the okay, difference. yeah, tell the difference because yeah. they look the same, probably yeah. because not every. A uh, Sikh is a turban-wearing mm -hmm, Sikh, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, they could be without turbans. And the women, you can't tell at all, right? Yeah. Between the Indian women, uh, the, the Hindu. Hindu women, or the Chris in Indian Christian, Indian Hindu, yeah. Indian Sikh, they all look the same to right. anybody. And right. they look the same to us, us too as Indians, right? right? So this this becomes an issue uh, for, for uh, Americans or for Canadians to figure out what's happening. So I, I've met many Canadians who say, like, didn't this get resolved many years ago mm. when the whole Khalistan thing and you talk to them about it didn't this get resolved a whole and uh, the same thing now Indians are saying the same thing too mm. that why has this started all over again mm. is it, this it started all over again largely because we have a neighbor that is uh, that is an inimical neighbor and it is uh, it it 
it works for them to resurrect things like this hmm. because these are all low cost proxy war uh, efforts so right. uh, but we recognize them hmm. the canadians ne- uh, probably need to be you know probably we need a much longer deeper security conversation between indians and canadians to truly get the get to the bottom of this i mean at some point canada will have to figure out that its domestic politics uh, interferes with its uh, foreign policy you know uh, we were talking about uh, making um, uh, making indians more receptive to understand the cultural uh, differences and how to assimilate in the country that you are going to it also happens with some basic um, basic terms that we use you know they get misinterpreted so much for example um, uh, like somebody might just turn around and say oh i'm a pure vegetarian what does that, that mean exactly mm-hmm. so when you go it's only those who are well traveled in india it's a very common term to say i'm a pure vegetarian mm-hmm. it only means in india that i'm a vegetarian who doesn't eat egg also that hence a pure vegetarian so if you have cake which if has egg, egg if you're a bengali fish is vegetable fish is vegetarian so right so a vegetarian could have so many interpretations hence a pure vegetarian is like i'm a see now you've complicated matters <laughs> further right so these are terms when you when you use that term when you go to say canada or the us or uk are you calling me impure and then even this i've seen this even in second generation indians you know indian american second generation indian canadian second generation indian brits, uh, brits they the kids turn around and saying what, 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 what is this pure vegetarian are you being casteist yeah. because they think pure vegetarian ka matlab hai you are trying to say you're a brahmin mm. so this like oh uh, are you trying to say that you're a vegan when you say pure vegetarian how do you make anybody understand this so this is a very simple yeah Thing. No, no, absolutely. It's a there are and <clears throat> see, sir. For some countries, you don't need to have that uh, sort of education or sensitizing sensitization uh, lessons. Perhaps uh, in say America, you don't. You didn't need it, Indrani. But now everybody has become hypersensitive. Well, that's also that is everywhere in the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, outrage is the dominant uh, yeah. uh, dominant emotion. across the world right yeah. now i cannot t- only tell you that my outrage is bigger than yours but it is <laughs> and uh, uh, we find lots of things to be sure. to outrage about but as i i mean you know uh, you didn't have to worry about these things with say america hmm. you did suddenly you found you had to worry about uh, integration and assimilation in australia remember a few yes. years ago we students. ran into a, a, simil, a huge Absolutely. problem yeah. on the student front uh, so that uh, again you know some degree of sensitization is important yeah. because there are you know where as so during our time perhaps or maybe before us a certain class hmm. migrated because they yeah sure absolutely now you are it it now the whole process is democratized yeah it is spread uh, to uh, to parts of the country that maybe didn't have the same upbringing yes. that you did correct and correct. Uh, uh, for them yeah uh, it's a uh, uh, i once had a uh, sadar woman newly wed uh, 
sitting next to me on a flight from here to to London and she uh, she was fully dressed in her bridal outfit mm. and uh, she said uh, uh, she said kahan jati hai ye bus i said ye plane london jati hai and uh, she said uh, she said raste mein kahin pe rukegi i said nahi i said aapko kahan jana hai she said la because she has been married off to a bartender in la and she was going from roper district in punjab fully as a bride as a bride to a completely new world I have no idea we've read enough books read also on diaspora course. right uh-huh. uh, and we know what it is like i mean uh, going with bags of sarees which nobody knew that you have to starch them on your Correct. own and there's no starch there's no starch right so <laughs> these are things you've read about uh, you know but every generation of immigrants faces a new kind of yeah. challenge yeah. and now i mean i think at that time probably in the 80s or 70s though that generation which went i mean i don't remember the 60s generation mm. discussing with them but the 70s and 80s generation had a different kind of issue but it was not life or death mm. but now it's become that it's become that serious so now. you know i mean really uh, this government i mean the bjp the modi government has a very strong diaspora uh, outreach and an mm. diaspora outreach i, I think it's time for uh, the the people managing that particular outreach to make sure that your people are safe and and, and know sort of arm them with tools of integrating in societies that they adopt um across uh, hmm. across the world hmm. and yeah, i think that's something that they should uh, they should take up uh, you yeah. know you know i uh, i saw the canadian advisory and one of the things that really uh, shocked me and i got annoyed but then i realized that maybe it's right is the whole marriage trap yeah. where they advise canadians watch out because you could be tricked into marriage absolutely right so i don't want to think that about fellow indians but it's true but at the same time i realized that i remember the time also in in uk um the high commission was besieged and they still are besieged with indian uh, women who uh, f- you know who face dowry related pressures you know it, it's even in the pakistani women face this oh, where yeah. where they are killed when they or go back on a killing on a killing on right? a killing is a big thing in big the thing. U- right in the uk but there the, the whole honor killing thing uh, indian high commissions all over the world took it very seriously on educating uh, the diaspora about these do you think that now it there's need to even talk about not falling into you know the drug trap by using you know indians uh, indian students or indians who go from poorer strata of society who go to canada and fall victim to these gangs which are operating and use them as you know for drug muling for prostitution Absolutely. and all kinds of well, rackets well i'm you know i always hesitate to put everything at the feet of the government okay because if you look at our governments they government state capacity is pathetic okay. you know very little state capacity hmm. i would say that communities hmm. that community elders or community leaders should and should step in things like you know say the say temples hmm. uh, have community leaders for instance you know the swami narayan temple they are a very very uh, aware uh, community 
uh, and it would not uh, it would not hurt them see these are your kids right these are your kids and frankly the we cannot say that everything should be the responsibility of the government so maybe the government could make them aware that now it's but time I for it's or they are aware i think it's also families who have gone through this who need to set up support groups you know when you do have support groups for everything in this mm. world now mm. there needs to be you had should have support groups for families in punjab who send their children to uh, to canada and have them talk to each other talk to parents and build build support networks community support networks to sort of keep their children out of trouble right and it and is important to you do know that. Uh, in rani like uh, in uh, in many countries which are wealthier countries of mm-hmm. course uh, schools have counselors college colleges have counselors and they counsel their kids when they it's that study abroad program right if they're doing a year of study abroad they counsel but in our schools i don't think we equip our kids we do only at a very uh, only elite schools elite schools we don't we do, there is no bandwidth frankly mm-hmm. there are not enough schools in this country there are not enough teachers there are not enough counselors there are uh, you know uh, to to say that this would uh, ideally you're right that ideally we should have uh, this should be at the school level but no again yes, there no. is a capacity constraint okay there is a capacity constraint and you are a 1.3 odd billion people with x number of schools mm. which just do not add up so do you think that uh, uh, you know this the issue of uh, khalistan and the issue of uh, attacks on indians this is something which uh, which should now be escalated to the prime minister levels because you know justin trudeau and prime minister modi did meet uh, and should should it be escalated to that level for them to take it seriously enough for chi- uh, canada to take it seriously enough you know uh, um again i don't think that would help at this point it has to get it has to get to a certain point for it to get to prime minister levels uh you know we when we talk about how do we resolve this hmm. i think we have to use a number of levers and one is certainly community society business you know as you said can canada canadian pension funds uh invest massively i mean just yesterday i think the ontario teachers Pen- pension fund um said they would be investing uh, some really large amount of money let me tell you how much um so and it it would be 5 to 10% of their teachers pension fund now remember teachers Millions. yeah Five, billions billions actually. yeah but remember that teachers pension pension funds are the most that's where the pension funds go a lot of other investments follow because pension funds are the most strict hmm. uh scrutinized and yeah, by the because government. they yes. are taking money from yeah. teachers right. it's their pension hmm. that they are investing so we have we have the ontario teachers pension fund but that says more that about indian uh, you know india being a safe destination for investment it's right it's actually indian business hmm. you know remember these are funds they are not bringing people here hmm. this is money so if india was not a safe destination for not that for tourists people. for people this is not people people are not traveling 
right it is only their money traveling if their money travels to a country if the country is volatile is so volatile that their people cannot come then why would their money come no i i, I no you want to draw a distinction yes. i don't want to draw a distinction this is where <laughs> you and i differ <laughs> because money has other there are different metrics that money follows okay and uh, that has to do with the stability of your financial system hmm. uh, and your investment uh, in environment it is to do with uh, the areas that they invest in and look at what they invest in they invest in your new new age uh sectors you know your fintech your renewable energies your transition a lot of that cppib a lot of it is in their trans is in what they call transition funds helping companies move to a renewable future these are all very uh uh um pahuncha hua to okay. use hindi word okay um uh, stuff but you know i mean uh, that it, it 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 would be we would have to use them too yeah for a sensitization at in canada as well as you no know, indians not Has going time to say, come to do that now i think uh, uh, see indians not going to tell canadian mm. investment we will not allow you to invest in india until you tell your people. no that would be drastic uh, insane hmm. and uh, nobody is going to do that but i think at at popular levels too hmm. there has to be a greater uh, sensitization of canadian leaderships so uh, you would today advise indians uh, that there is no need to panic but they need to be vigilant is that it i would say there definitely needs to need to be vigilant we there 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 is i don't think there is a need to, no need to panic certainly uh, but i would say that where the government should get in is to act, actively call for a, a, a deeper security dialogue with with uh, canada i mean you know we are we are actually negotiating a cepa hmm, uh, an fta and that should be done pretty soon there are complementarities between the canadian economy and ours there's huge opportunities uh, uh, on both ends and uh, uh, you don't want the a security the security to be a wrinkle in your relations and at sure. the moment it is a very big wrinkle in the relations right Thank you so much for speaking with us Indrani. Thank you very much Smita. That was a pleasure. Thank you for listening in to ANI podcast with Smita Prakash. Like or subscribe on whichever channel you have seen or heard this. Namaste. Jai Hind.